0: anytime marketing is difficult or there's resistance the market never lies right if there's any type of pushback or any type of resistance they're telling you something's broken and that's kind of where you want to get to you want to get to making it as frictionless as possible
1: hello and welcome to the optimized store owner show a podcast that helps frustrated store owners become optimized store owners we are your hosts aaron and christian we want to invite you to join us each week as we share tips tactics and strategies from the most inspiring entrepreneurs in the e-commerce industry This podcast will help you add flexibility, stability, and happiness into your life. Ready? Let's go. Only a small fraction of businesses ever hit seven figures. And although it can be a little daunting, it's actually a little bit more pragmatic than you may think. Today's guest is no stranger to helping businesses grow and scale profitably. So now you're going to want to grab a notebook or iPad for this one, guys. In this episode, you're going to learn these three things and more. Number one, the most common problems direct-to-consumer brands have and how to overcome them. Number two, how to continue to acquire customers profitably, even when costs are rising through social media advertising. And number three, step-by-step, how to take your e-commerce brand from wherever you're at right now to seven figures. This is an amazing episode. I learned a ton out of this one. I know you guys are as well. Like I mentioned earlier, go grab your notebook, your iPad, whatever it is, put in your headphones, whatever you're doing right now, stop, go go grab those, and really take notes. You're gonna get a lot of nuggets out of this episode, guys, so enjoy it. And if you know a, another clothing boutique or brand, make sure to share this episode if you found value in it for them. Um, they're gonna enjoy it as well. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this one, guys. Awesome, Chin, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I hope you're doing well over there. What time is it, by the way? I'm just curious. <laughs>
0: I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. It's uh, just gone 10 past 8 p.m. on uh, uh, yeah, UK time.
1: Okay, so we, we're going to be packed full of um, really good information and also let you get back to it because we're a little <laughs> bit different time zone right now. So I want to make sure we're courteous of your time as well. All right, and we're gonna. I want to do an intro for the for you because I, I think there's a lot to add, but I want to. I really want to get into some parts that you can speak to, because um, we can always introduce you uh, and talk more in depth. But I want to hear from from you. Um, you work a lot with e-commerce brands, and so I know everybody listening is going to get a ton of value. But what would you say is the biggest problem that like most brands, most direct-to-consumer brands um, that come to you, like what are they trying to? What problem do they have, and how are you helping them solve it?
0: Sure, um, without question, it's profitable customer acquisition at scale. That is all, That's easily the number one issue that virtually every direct-to-consumer e-commerce owner I talk about, um, I meet, um, has. And there's always going to be. There's three parts of that equation. So it's either they can't acquire any new customers at all. It may, they can acquire new customers, but they can't do it profitably. They can acquire customers profitably and they can't do it at scale. It's always one of those three things. And that really just has a knock-on effect on everything else. So if they're not, if they're not profitable or if they can't hire the right team members, almost every time we unpack that situation, it goes back to not being able to profitably acquire new customers at scale. And so that's you almost always, whenever we kind of dig deep and f- try and find what's going on in the business, it is in that area. And For most of the brands that we speak to who are in that, you know, half a million to one, two million range, that's their number one issue. And once you kind of fix that, a lot of the other things start to fall in place.
1: What would you say is, you know, like the first thing that you're going to fix, right? I guess it's not a a one size fits all for everybody, but like what's your first thing that you are going to try to fix when they're doing, like when they're not finding it? profitably where do you go to to see where there's opportunities before like i mean sometimes you can't even take people on because there's not opportunity there but where do you see the opportunity to to help them become profitable
0: yeah so the very first thing we always look at is the underlying fundamentals of the business from a unit economic standpoint so what we'll look at is we'll look at the costs the margins the customer acquisition like what they've got going on Because if fundamentally the unit economics of the business don't make sense. There's either it's going to be an issue now or it's going to be issue down the line. There's almost nothing we can do there. So typically that comes down into margins. And, you know, unfortunately, like with a lot of other internet businesses or online businesses, margins are really, really high. Well, margins are so much more of an issue in DTC. And so if a business's margins aren't right, there's not really too much that we can do at that point because the profit is our fuel. So we always look at, being able to scale, and being able to grow, we need to generate profits. Um, you know, back in the day when like DTC was going through its like golden age, a lot of VC money, a lot of P- um, private equity money was being flown in, and so the 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 path to being profitable wasn't paid attention to as much because customer acquisition was so inexpensive. I mean, from like 2014 to mm-hmm. mid 2017, even as, as as recent as 2018, you could literally, you know fire up a Facebook ad and get customers at a profit. And so it kind of masked a lot of the underlying fundamentals that a DTC business has to have. So from that point of view, the very first thing we look at because acquiring customers has become more expensive as platforms kind of have more competition. The very first thing we look at is the fundamentals, right? Are, Are the margins in place for us to be able to scale and generate enough profit? Once we've kind of looked at that and kind of said, all right, well, that's in place. The second thing is, you know, is it a product that people actually want? Because the, um, with the way the markets are, like there's so much more competition for virtually every single niche. So we've got to look at the art of it. You know, I like to kind of split it up into the art and the science. The science of the numbers, do the numbers make sense? But then the art is like, well, you know, what's the brand behind this? Do people actually want this product? You know, what type of customer experience are you having? When people, What type of customer experience do the customers have when they actually purchase from you? What are all those other intangibles that will translate itself at scale? Because, you know, a lot of things, a business operating at 10 a month, if the fundamentals, the brand, all that stuff is in place, you try and go to 100 a month, 200 a month, it's going to break the business. So we just want to make sure a lot of those things are in place first. Once they're in place, then we start looking at more of the tactical issues. So, okay, conversion rate. If we're going to spend, if we're going to be driving eyeballs to this website, we need to know that we can turn those strangers into customers. So look at the conversion rate. Look at how much profit we can generate on the back end. There are a lot of elements. Um, obviously, I don't want to go, we could go really, really deep with this. But typically, first thing is, does it make sense from a unit economic standpoint? Are people interested in the product? Is there a brand behind it? If those two things are in place. The rest of it can be can be you know pretty easily worked out
1: when you're when you're and you're mostly working on like a like Facebook Instagram ads right now are there other tools that you guys are using or utilizing I guess right now to help combat the the rising cost of advertising to to get it profitable I guess
0: yeah I mean our philosophy on is like Facebook and Instagram is always if you can't make it work on facebook and instagram it's going to be really hard to bring in another platform and make that work so we always try with we always start with facebook and instagram to make it work there and then we add in other elements to bring down the cost so that could be google shopping it could be youtube uh, we're testing a lot of things now with snapchat and tiktok but fundamentally um you know if the business has a an angle where search traffic makes a lot of sense then we might actually start with search traffic because if there's a lot of intent involved in the business and people are searching for it that's actually a good way of starting to drive traffic from there but fundamentally we can't make it work on facebook and instagram even from like a you know ad to purchase level because we're always trying to we're always trying to make the minimum viable funnel work first like can we get a stranger to purchase this product from facebook and instagram advertising if we can do that, we know that we can. We have other tools that we can play around with to bring the cost of that happening down. So that's when we kind of start looking at other platforms. But ultimately, once we've kind of done that, we start to add in other elements into the funnel. So we're looking at our, you know, SMS, email, messenger. What other ways can we add into the funnel to help improve those conversion rates, bring down those CPA costs, and then maximize profitability? So yeah, Facebook and Instagram is because it's it's simple, instant feedback. In our business, we wanna get feedback as quickly as possible. You know, we can test ideas very inexpensively. We can test angles very inexpensively. Um, If it's a multi-SKU store, sometimes we need to know which SKU specifically we should use as a front-end product. Facebook's a very, very easy way to test those ideas. So we like to start it on Facebook, make sure it works, make sure we can validate the thesis that we can get customers, where we can get um, new customers from cold traffic Then we start to add in other elements to bring down those
1: CPAs and increase the profitability. Um, When it comes to some of those Facebook, Instagram ads, um, and getting getting them to be profitable, what what are some elements that you're testing, um, or maybe there's an uh, maybe you guys have some sort of order of importance, right, of of things that you test first to see if it's actually going to work.
0: Sure. Yeah. So. this, this question would have been answered differently before iOS 14s because iOS 14 has kind of changed. Um, and I don't know if we're going to go into that, depending on how clued up your listeners might be on there.
1: Absolutely. We've talked about it. So, yeah, you can speak, mm-hmm. uh, speak directly to it if you'd like.
0: Okay. So, yeah. So iOS 14 has kind of changed things in terms of how we approach testing. Um, the interesting thing about iOS 14, it hasn't affected every brand or every account the same. It's had different impact on different types of businesses from what we've been seeing across the brands that we look after the niche brands have been affected a lot more than the mass market brands and so that kind of leads us to our testing strat our testing hypothesis we typically like to test creative first because creative is going to have the biggest impact um for the longest time facebook's algorithm um was pretty good at being able to work with very very large audiences you learn up the creative and it did its own thing by being able to find where the best customers were. That's a little, that's not, we have to now test that idea before we can just run with it. Like before we could get a good creative and we knew the algorithm would do its thing. Now we have to make sure it's doing its thing because iOS 14 has kind of made some accounts have weird random results. And so we had to do a little bit more testing to make sure that we're validating our ideas before we move forward. So creative is always the very first thing that we test. You know, we want to figure out which audience is gonna have the best potential for scale and the best potential for profits. And so that typically comes down from the creative thing. You know, So you can use targeting to an extent, but we found creative has the biggest lever. Um, and with that, one of the quickest ways you can do it is with UGC creative, because UGCs typically, if, you, if, the, if the brand's done a good job um, of gathering customer testimonials in UGC, That's a really, again, another quick way of getting instant feedback on whether that angle works. Because if you go through like customer testimonials and you go through the UGC, they typically hit a lot of the objections that customers might have. And they typically fit themselves nicely into the avatars. So we'll get like three or four different types of UGC and then we'll test those because they usually fit into different avatars. And then that's going to give us a good indication of which avatar could potentially work at scale because we're always looking, you know, we're always building things for scale, right? If it works at a couple hundred bucks a day, that really helping anybody when we're trying to really scale the brand. We want to make sure that what we're testing is going to work at scale, and that's why we kind of dive into the creative first and using UGC. Because if we know that that avatar is a representation of the wider market, then it's giving us a good signal that this might work at scale.
1: That's that's um, that's so such a, I guess, uh, simple but like i don't know like business smart a way to approach things and i and i think it's a nice way to to also explain it to everybody who's listening is just that sometimes we complicate things way too much when it's like if we just focused on these couple of areas you're going to move the needle the farthest right there's we don't need to go into these crazy strategies it's it's literally like you said it's user-generated content that could be a great way for them to to drop costs and to be in front of their ideal client um yeah
0: we're always looking for speed speed to profit that's that's our big motto over here speed to profit and so if we can get you know if we can get the minimum stuff working then that's great and if we can't we start adding things onto it and so the easiest content to create is user generated content like you Mm -hmm. just have to you know most brands already have it if you don't have it you can run some competitions to get it you know we have a couple of tactics to get it But it's so quick and so easy to get that it allows us to test our ideas really quickly. So our thing has always been speed to profit, speed to profit. If we can get our ideas tested quickly, then we can start adding other elements to the equation. But yeah, that's why we love UGC. And for the most part, it's one of the highest converting types of content you can create.
1: For sure. I know I've converted off of it. So it definitely works. All right. So this is a, a... we don't, I mean, this would probably be a whole podcast, but I do want to pitch it to you because you've been in the business for so long and have worked with some brands, big brands, small brands, and have had a lot of success. So if you were to start today and you're not going to run, uh, and you're not the marketing agency, you're just yourself with your knowledge. How would you take a clothing brand or an apparel brand or anything like that to, how would you scale to seven figures? If it's Chin's company and you started a t-shirt line or you started your own clothing line, how would you take it to seven figures?
0: Sure. So I'll actually take it even one step back. So I might okay. answer, that, answer that in two ways. So if I was going to start a DTC brand from scratch, I would find a hungry audience first. Because from what we've seen, audience can make or break a brand. So I would start, with, I'll actually find an audience and see if there's a nexus between a hungry audience that has a need and something that I enjoy doing. If I can make those two things happen, fantastic. And I know that I'm going to have fun running this brand long term life gets so much easier when the audience is starving. Like look for a starving audience. It's so much easier to do. Like we've had clients we've worked with and it's like, it's hard because the audience doesn't have that desire. There's, um, a great, um, advertising book by a guy called Eugene Schwartz and, um, it's called breakthrough advertising. Maybe some of your readers have heard it, but there's a quote in there that's great. And the quote is, uh, you cannot, I'm going to paraphrase. You basically cannot manufacture desire. It's a marketer's job to harness existing desire and point that to your product. So we always want to look, I'd, I'd want to look for the desire first. Then with that being said, let's say identify that desire. And let's say it is a t-shirt brand or a power brand. I I would start first, because the first thing one you want to validate the product and we want to make sure that we've got a market for the product. So I'd, I'd actually start with either affiliates or influencers because you don't really want to start jump, you know, pumping money into it to acquire customers unless you are really, if you're really good at ads, then you can maybe make that work, but it's more of a high risk play. You wanna get to that first, you know, you wanna get to that first tipping point of a certain amount of customers that are A, gonna give you the UGC that you need, because if you go out to cold traffic and you don't, you can't show a cold audience that there's social proof, other people are buying it. You can't show that to an audience. It's gonna be really hard to make them convert. So you wanna get that core group of customers first and in any market, there's going to be early adopters. So you want to identify what is it that those early adopters really, really want. You know, are they like what's the what's the, the core values that the early adopters have that align up with your brand as well? So if, once I've done that, I try and find who the influencers were. You know, I pick up the phone and call or DM every single influencer I could find. Start getting some traction. I would it depend on what we're doing for cash flow, but I would go into the affiliate market and I'd actually come up with deals for affiliates where i give them 100 120 percent of the revenue because ultimately they're going to think well that's a great deal why would i say no i just want the customers mm-hmm. like if i if, if if it costs me you know if it's a 30 it's 30 t-shirt and i can get an affiliate to sell it and i'll give them 30 dollars. people are weird right they're going to be like oh that's a great deal i'll just take it even though 30 is not great for me i just want the customers if i can get a thousand customers without any cost fantastic i can monetize them on the back end and now I can start to make things happen with my ads, with my other systems. So find a hungry audience, um, validate the product with affiliates or influencers. Once I've done that, then I'd start plugging in my paid ads. But at that point, if I've got you know a few hundred, a few thousand customers, it's everything you need to start scaling, especially if all the other stuff is done right as well.
1: Hey, store owners, are you ready to grow and scale your online business predictably and profitably? We've created a free 15-minute training that will walk you through the five key areas every online store needs to achieve financial success. You can grab the free training by going to optimizedstoreownercom forward slash ecom-training or clicking the link below in the podcast description. Again, that is optimizedstoreownercom forward slash ecom-training. You, you took what I thought was going to be a whole podcast into, <laughs> uh, hey, this is, I mean, it's not easy, right? But you made it so simple, which is, I think, why you're so good at your craft. This is, um, I think, we get people who ask those questions, and it's like, well, you don't have any customers. You just gave them a way to, to go and get customers and then start looking mm-hmm. at ads. Because they're like, oh, I just want to jump into Facebook or Instagram ads, and that's how people grow and scale. Like you said, yeah. maybe... Maybe 2015, 2016, they could do that, but but no longer. Yeah.
0: I mean, I just, I, I uh, we're, we just acquired a beauty brand and we are doing it with paid ads, phenomenal. but the difference with this stuff is that the brand is phenomenal. Like I could tell straight away that the brand was great. It's in a hungry audience and the margins are phenomenal. So with that, we have started with paid ads, but A, I'm a professional and B, it's not, you know, if I went back to the beginning, I wouldn't necessarily start like that just because it will be a little bit harder to make it work. There's got to be a lot of things working in your favor to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it does come down to kind of simplifying it, chunking it down and you want to stack the deck in your favor, right? Um There's a, there's a, I always remember years, years ago, maybe some of you listeners remember it. I kind of show you my age, but mm-hmm. I remember when 9 um, 11 when, uh, happened and they were interviewing um, Colin Powell. And he said that um, I'm going to butcher this, but he essentially said that we're going to make this war or this invasion inevitable. And he went through it and he was like like, there's absolutely no way we can lose. And it was all about stacking the deck in your favor. And so if you stack the deck in your favor with the stuff that happens before you even turn on an ad, then the ad's going to be easy you stack the deck in your favor before anything else happens, then the rest of it's easy. Like I always say, we always say it in our team, you know, if marketing is difficult, something's broken because marketing is not difficult. Like if you've got a good product that people want, good customer experience, you're solving a problem, you know how to articulate it, it's supposed to be easy. Anytime marketing is difficult or there's resistance, the market never lies, right? If there's any type of pushback or any type of resistance, they're telling you something's broken. And so if the market never lies and you've got to backwards engineer it, and when you can backwards engineer and you give people what they want, you know, how hard would it be? Like if you went back in time and tried to sell someone Bitcoin, knowing what you know now, how hard would that be? Or if you even said you know, bought a genie from the future and said, Hey, Bitcoin's, you know, a million in the future. I want to sell you some Bitcoin. Everyone's going to buy it because there's no, there's no friction there. And that's kind of where you want to get to. You want to get to making it as frictionless as possible
1: i doing like research for this. And then also you've mentioned it throughout um, this conversation. I think it's one that I want to hone in on, which is like your systems. And when you say automated systems, what exactly maybe more in layman's terms, but like, what does that mean to you and and what exactly is that?
0: Yeah, my, I um So we, this automated system thing is actually kind of new, newer for us. So I started off quickly. I started off like my, marketing career in copywriting and then when I started the agency it was like pure service based and one of our clients a couple of years ago was in Silicon Valley they were an app company and I encourage every marketer of every industry to go spend some time in Silicon Valley because they've what they've got down to a T out of every industry I've ever seen is like they understand leverage better than anywhere else I've, I've ever seen they understand how to make one thing do lots of other things obviously these guys write code and that's like one line of code that does loads of those things. But they were all, like anything a human can, anything a robot or code can do, they're like, don't have a human do that, have a robot or code do that. So we started to try and adopt some of that in our agency. Like what, what ultimately, let's kind of be less romantic about it. What can we replicate without us involved? And so that's, you know, for the most part, a lot of our ads can be replicated, can be automated. You know, there's AI software out there that can do it. You can set up a lot of rules, even with inside Facebook. There's a lot of ways to automate your ads. Even, um, um, so like emails, right? Your email sequences, your SMS sequences. You know, you build it once. You know, you spend a lot of time and effort building it once, but then ultimately that whole system is automated. So once somebody goes into your funnel, then what they see, what they hear, all the connection connection points, all of that can be automated, and then you can just add in your own personal touch in certain places, like at the point of purchase, etc. So. That's kind of where we're looking at automated like how can we remove humans from as much of this as possible like ultimately you know people can't write a copy i was going to say it but there are some ai copywriting software right now I, I don't know how good it is but that's the next level um even with our ad creation right we the way that we create ads is so templated out that we can create hundreds of ads in an afternoon and then once you've created all those ads We have AI software, you know, there are, not not us, but there are AI software out there. Um, You know, Magic's a good one. There's a couple of others as well, that you can plug in all of your iterations with your ads. And as long as you plan properly, as soon as an ad stops working, you can automatically load up another one. So now as a business owner, I've removed a lot of their heavy lifting and I can focus on the offer. I can focus on the strategy of the business. I can focus on, you know, Coming up with a creative angle, or creative idea they may not have tried before. And so, in terms of automation, we're really trying to automate all the processes that take us time that you don't really need a human to do. And you know, a lot of that is ad creation, your your know, you know, your ad management, your ad optimization, email sequences. All those can be completely automated. Um, and once your once your customer acquisition system is working, uh, whether you're using you know, ads or even if you're using organic, once somebody gets into your ecosystem. If that whole messaging is all, if that messaging is all automated and it's kind of behavioral, I could get really deep on this, but it's kind of, it triggers based on their behavior, which we can do with software. If someone goes to a certain part of your site, they'll see a certain email. If someone uh, responds to a certain email, they'll see another offer when they go back to your website. All that stuff can be automated. And so now we take our break, what we know about our customers, we take what we know about our business, we put it into the automated systems and then watch it watch it work, and we just look at the data and we optimize it from that point onwards. Um,
1: you mentioned something in there, and I think you alluded to uh, this a little bit earlier. How important is organic to this mix, to the automations, to to the overall strategy, and and to having ads that are that are profitable?
0: I think so. Organic is fantastic, and organic will make anything you're doing with your ads even better. So if your ads are, you know, if if you've got a CPA of like 40, you add in organic, that's gonna bring the CPA down 30, 25. The challenge of organic is it's hard to scale, but ultimately you wanna to get to the stage where you don't have to run ads. The reality is that to get to that point and acquire all those new customers, ads are some of the quickest ways to do it. But ultimately I wanna be in a position where we can have such a strong brand that we don't have to run ads to get people to come to our brand. The reality is that's quite a romantic way of looking at it, you know. Unless you are a multiple eight-figure brand, it's going to be very difficult to have enough volume of traffic to just straight from organic. And so, some of the organic strategies, like you know, content is really, really good. You've got the thing of content, and I say content like posting on socials, posting on um, your um, your your own platforms. Organic reach isn't as, isn't where it used to be. And so because organic reaches where it used to be, you can kind of give it a little nudge just by, there's a strategy created by a guy called um, Dennis Yu. You guys heard of him? Dennis Yu?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He, so he's great. He's great. He, um, one of my mentors on some of this stuff way back when, and he's got a strategy called the um, the dollar a day strategy. I still use that to this day. It's phenomenal. You okay. get organic content, you put a dollar a day behind it and it will get out to a lot of people. So there's ways of kind of turbocharging your organic content um but ultimately you know there are like the thing it comes down to what resources you have available because organic is going to take time and it's going to be re- you know resource intensive in terms of creating the content managing the content managing your calendar managing your content schedule etc um and it's going to have a long tail so it's going to be a little bit take a little bit longer but If you can add that element to if you've got a resource to add organic to it's going to make everything better it's going to make your ads better it's going to make you know we have um we we just saw this actually so we had a client who's in the skincare skincare um, business and we we were you know we we started running this new ad campaign cpa was really really good and i think i can't remember what the reason was but they switched they stopped doing something organic instantly the cpa went back up Hmm. now we were on our strategy call. I said, "Look, I can't give you the specific ROI of that organic, of that organic content, but we can see the data. We shut it off because our CPAs went straight back up, and we can see that. And as soon as we turn it turn it up, you can see slowly the CPAs creeped up. People are multi-platform users, right? So they might see you on Facebook, then they go on Instagram, then they go on YouTube, then they go on Pinterest, then they go on Snapchat, then they go, then they check their emails, and they want to see you everywhere." And so, if you can be other places without having to pay for it, then just do it. Like you might not see an ROI then, but I promise you, like it's having an effect, even if you can't necessarily see it. So, it's if you've got the capabilities and resources to do organic, absolute must you do it. Eventually, you want to get to a stage where you're not relying on ads at all, and everything is organic. But you know that that does take time.
1: Right, and it's uh, and. I guess it is a partial small question. Are you guys doing any um, like SEO at all for for your clients as well? Like the the ones that have gotten to a larger spot or do you um, not really focus on like search engine in that way as much?
0: Yeah, we bring in. So we don't have that capability in-house. So we bring in outside people to do it. But yeah, it's part of the strategy because it's when you look at the LTV. um, So search for most of the brands that we do this for, we can look at the LTV based on the marketing channel. Search and SEO has some of the highest LTV. So for us, when you know, if we have a brand where there is an opportunity to have a lot of search traffic or use that as a strategy, we always bring, that, we always do that. We just technically don't do it in house because we know that we can find people that are better than us. Like I could bring in a team to do it, and maybe later on down the line, I will go and buy an SEO agency. But it is a strategy that hundred percent works and we see it have a very good uh, LTV it's just harder to scale and so it's one of those things where it it, it it can add to it but it can be a little bit harder to scale as well
1: awesome um just to be kind of courteous of your time like I said I know I want to um I, this has been extremely value-packed and you mentioned a couple of things in here but I would uh I want to know uh for the people for listening they where do they find tools what what tools are working right now um, where should they go and like you know do free trials or or whatever else like what what kind of um, software would you suggest and if there are affiliate links or whatever we can link those up too but um, I'm just curious what software do you like um, what's what's working right now and where should people go check yeah. out
0: so um, the two softwares we're using are quite a lot right now are Hyros which is a tracking software and Magix which is a um, which is a platform AI software those are the two that we pretty much use all the time um so back to ios 14 facebook moved their attribution window from 28 days to seven days um in addition to that facebook's reporting isn't that great it can miss a lot of the sales then if you add in google you add in all the other channels you add in email it's hard to know exactly where your sales are coming from and especially for our us our entire strategy isn't really built around ROAS, which a lot of businesses you know Return on ad spend. A lot of agencies, a lot of marketers build their strategy around return on ad spend. We look at LTV and specifically like 60 to 90 day LTV. We're trying to maximize the amount of profit and revenue we can generate in 60 to 90 days. And so for that, we need to know the LTV of every channel and every traffic source across that time period. You're just not gonna get that information. Um, we have one client who actually is like a Wizard spreadsheet, and I remember when we first did a session with him. He brought out this spreadsheet. He literally had all of it marked down. Now, if you're spending 10 hours a week on spreadsheets, you can do it. But for us, we like Hyros because it does that for it. Then, for ad management, Magix has been phenomenal. Like, it's not only is it really, really good at managing your media buying, their their customer support is like second to none. Those guys are really, really good. Very, very impressed with them. Um, Then, Clavio is what we use for email uh you know it just does everything you want it to do we've tried others you know we've looked at others Clavio is just it just clean it does what it wants to do um it integrates very nicely with shopify where 80 percent of our clients are um you know i rec- i'd also say we do ask a lot of our clients some of our bigger ones you know to consider re-platforming if they've got some really weird not weird but really difficult to work with platforms they're on, you know, we work with WooCommerce and Shopify, Shopify, again, most of our clients are on there. But ultimately, if you're trying to scale, like if you're trying to grow your business, one that we found the best help in growing um, Hyros or any other tracking software that will track your attributions across all of your channels, because you want to see what your LTVs are, and then Magics for ad automation, like, you know, that freed up about, you know, a good chunk of our time getting Magics because, you know, it just meant that we weren't spending as much time with media buying especially once we kind of put our media buying decision-making into the software. And then it basically would act like we
1: would act when mm-hmm. it
0: will see the inputs and data, data that we would see.
1: So powerful. Um, so what is the, and this is, I guess they're going to be the number one question when people listen to this, what is a good way for people to find out more about you and your agency? Um, where, where can they go and, and find out more about that?
0: Sure. You know, you can hit me up on uh, social media. I am at I am Chin Gregory. That's on Instagram uh, and Facebook as well. Um, you can go to my website, chingregory.com. Um, it's got a lot of our details there. You can reach out to me there. Um, but, but typically, that's kind of the best way to reach out to me. If you hit my, my, my website, chingregory.com, there will be some uh, a form where you can fill out and get in touch. Um, but I'm pretty, pretty, um, active on social media. Um, you know, I answer all my DMs. Like if you just want to, and, and I personally, I like that because it's kind of a little bit more, um, interactive. It's a little bit more personal. So if you just want to reach out to me on Instagram, I am Chin Gregory, or you want to go to, um, Facebook, it's Chin Gregory 141. I think that's, if you just put Chin Gregory into Facebook, my DMs will come up. Um, feel free to add me as a friend. If you're in the industry, you know, I love talking to everyone in the industry. Um, you know, I live, breathe e-commerce. And so if you're in that industry, want to hear from you, hit me up. And, uh yeah, that's, you can get free to be that
1: way. Awesome. Thanks so much. And I know this is going to be a ton of value for everybody. So I appreciate your time. That's a wrap. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram stories at and let us know what you thought about this episode. And next, make sure to leave us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us reach more people and continue to improve the podcast for you. All right, guys. Have a great day and we'll talk to you next week.